OBS Job Search Advice Radio, episode 1960. I'm your host, Jeff Altman, the big game hunter, and welcome. Today, I've got a long form interview today with James Aiken, where we talk about five steps you need to be taking as part of launching your job search and you know, really getting started off on your search. Hope you find this helpful. Hope you enjoy it. Hope you give it a great review wherever you listen to the show. And with that, let's get going. So my guest today is James Aiken, who runs CandidateMarketingTips.com and who's created a system that professionals can use to build their network and find their next step in in their career. James. How's it going? Thank you. Fabulous. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Getting by. I mean, it's the end of the week. How did you not enjoy your Fridays? Uh, I can think of a lot of reasons. <laughs> my days in search and Friday afternoon getting a turn down. Uh, yeah, that's true. Luckily, not today. Not today. We can't jinx it at this point. So, Amen, brother. So, James, <laughs> let's dive in. How can someone that's frustrated in their current position find a better job? Is that a nice slow pitch for you to hit out? I think, I think that's a T-ball. I think that's a T-ball. That's a setup, right? So we... Uh, yeah, my, I'm reading it right on the chat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would say that the uh, it's really if you boil everything down, it's really five big steps. So the the first is just getting a solid concept of, or goal of what you want, where you want to be. Uh, sometimes I talk with people and they're like, "Well, if it's a salesperson, they say, oh, well, I, I could sell for anyone. I'm a salesperson. I can go anywhere." And while that may be true, we want to think first about where do you add the most value? You know, where, where would you, you want to fight battles that you can win, right? And so you want to have the best advantage that you possibly can whenever you're starting off in, in your job search. So you can always change direction later on or kind of stack your efforts. But if you don't define things, it's very hard to uh, gauge your progress in a real way. So that, that's kind of the first step, it's just getting a good understanding. So getting a good understanding of the kind of job you want to do, the kind of career you want to have, like what do they have to get a good understanding of? Yeah, so exactly that. So in the case of somebody that is maybe a recent graduate and they haven't really stepped into uh, you know, their, their full career yet, it's just defining, okay, well, if you have an engineering degree, chances are you're, you're going to be an engineer, right? You're going to want to go down that uh, route, chances are. Maybe not everybody, right? But the, uh, I would say that it's, it's just defining your ultimate goal there. Um, if it's somebody that is, you know, you already enjoy your industry. I work in the building materials industry. If it's a window salesperson and they want to stay in, win- in the window industry, then naturally they just define that as their goal there. They, if they want to be, you know, sometimes salespeople run into situations where operationally the team can't keep up with what they're selling and maybe they start to get hit on commissions, not because of what they have uh, achieved on their own, but because the team can't, uh, you know, hold up their end of the deal. And so if you want, if that's what you want to achieve is to get to a place that has a lot of operational capacity, then you would put that as your, as your definition of what, you know, you want your goal to be. So that, that, that's kind of, what it, it's all situation specific, right? It's so interesting that you talk about the 
you know, for the salesperson, have an operational backup for what you're selling. It reminded me of something from many years ago uh, when I lived with a woman who is, I'm going to use an old name from the financial services industry, the old Merrill Lynch. And she was the first woman commodities broker for Merrill. And their back office was awful. And brokers were being charged for mistakes that the back office made. You write a ticket, place an order, and suddenly you're getting charged to your account because of their mistake. And it's interesting that you bring up this example of having the capacity to back up your play as being something that if, if you're going to be a salesperson, you have to make sure that there's some capacity behind you. Well, exactly, because, you know, if you're a salesperson, you don't want to deal with the things going wrong after it's really supposed to be out of your hands, you know, because you can focus your time on new business development, you could focus your time on building accounts, but instead you're having to focus on trying to put out fires. And it's really hard to be, you know, the most successful when you're having to give a huge chunk of your time to just basically apologizing to people because the their the fulfillment wasn't there it's funny um, there's a client that i work with as a coach uh, and he heads up sales for a firm and his salespeople write write business and then they have a group of people who do installation and ongoing support of the equipment and I, you know, I've tried to encourage him to get management to think of what the apple experience is like when you get an iphone because okay. their people do nothing like that. Uh, everyone talks, you know, has this complete understanding when I talk about the Apple experience when you get a phone, the yeah. box is perfect. It fits, yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. You know, everything and their experience is a dirty box shows up. You know, maybe they dust it off, Thank they you. plug it in, they get it to run, they don't make sure it's running perfectly. A day later, there's a support call because no one's shown them how to use stuff. And thus, you know, it's, it's interesting how this all uh, ties yeah. together. And, it, and it's funny that you bring up the, like, the box and the customer experience there. Is people do, I feel like they just under, either undervalue or underrate it to such a degree because it's like, well, that is a huge part of the customer experience is opening it for the first time and taking in, like you're saying with the Apple stuff, you take one piece at a time. First, you're taking the phone out, you're looking at the phone, then you pull the thing up and then you have the wire and you have the charger and you have, and it's all very well put together. And, you know, it's, yeah, you know, nobody is going to buy, chances are nobody's going to buy an item solely for the package, but it's all about improving the customer experience as a whole and grounding, you know, your brand as, you know, luxurious or high end. You know, if you're paying attention to the small details, then you know that that's what really defines a brand. It's not the it's not the major stuff. It's not what you do functionally. It's it's everything you do. Right, and we've we've been talking about the first thing is about getting clear about what you want, and yep. we've been extending this into areas using the salesperson example for you know. Do they have the capacity? You know, what's the experience? Is it all, what's the reputation of the organization? You know, a lot of different things in terms of the work environment for things you should be looking for. And there's a lot more that we're not gonna go into today on that <laughs> one topic. Folks, you have to sit down and start thinking about it. And I'll just simply say, it's a lot easier to sell the product that everyone wants versus the one where you have to 
beat down doors because yeah. no one's heard of it before or it has a bad rep. And, and that all comes down to uh, kind of one of the next steps, but it, it, that all comes down to the audience. I think one of my favorite examples is, uh, you know, Frank Kern, who's an internet marketer or just marketer in general. He talks about how, you know, writing uh, a sales letter, he's like, if you, you know, trying to sell ice to an Eskimo is one thing, but he's like, if your audience is, you know, if your product is a date with Miss America, and you have a list of, you know, recently uh, guys that have recently gotten out of jail and you're mailing them. Or you know, women who've recently got out of jail too. Yeah. Let's, get, let, <laughs> let's be aware. Oh, is that true? <laughs> Men or women who've recently got out of jail, they may both get excited by Miss America. <laughs> well, it, it was saying it doesn't really matter what you say at that point. It doesn't really matter what delivery you have because you know, you could basically say, you know, hey, you bunch of morons, you know, do you want, how about a date with Miss America? And they're going to respond. And so it's just about the, the audience that you're in front of. You want to get in front of the, the audience that you're most valuable to. And, and that is kind of a part of the, you know, creating that image is in order, once you create that image, you then have to kind of reverse engineer it and define the audience of who you need to be reaching out to, to reach the goal that you've set for yourself. So I'm, I want to be clear about this because, you know, like you said, we're, we're, we start to step into a different option here. So the first thing is about getting clear about what you want. Yeah. Is the second one about figuring out how to get there easily? What's the second one? Or The second one is, and, and you know, it, it could be uh, interchanged with the third one, but I think the second one, uh, it's more proper in this position is, getting your candidate materials together, you know, treating your search process like a marketer, really. And when I talk about candidate materials, uh, I usually list four things because I'm one of the people that uh, is particular about resumes and, uh, you know, how, how that all gets set up. I, I suggest having four things if you're sitting down to a face-to-face -face interview. Number one, so, number one, very top cover letter. It's, there should never ever be a cover letter that you send out that is uh, not one of a kind. And I don't mean templates. Don't use templates. You need to be writing specific to the exact role, the exact company, everything like that. If you're, I, I say, if you're applying online, then okay, you don't necessarily, you know, if, if this is a volume situation, if you're applying online, you don't necessarily need to do that unless it's a role that you really, really want for time's sake. You can't, you know, write a hundred different cover letters. Or if you go in for a first interview somewhere, if you're going in for a face-to-face, -face, this is where you would definitely want to have that. So second is the resume. And I always say the resume, again, think about it like a marketer. Your call to action, you know, what marketers really all go for is uh, to get the reader to call you or email you. Okay, that's really all the resume is. It's an ad for you. And so what we wanna do is we want to make it as easy as possible for them to recognize your contact information, recognize who you are. But the key thing that I say is to focus your real estate, essentially of your uh, resume, we're, we're keeping it to one page and you wanna focus most of the real estate on uh, your most recent role. And instead of just listing your responsibilities, you want to turn those sentences into achievements. So instead of saying, I managed five salespeople in the Atlanta Metro, you would say, I 
built, I grew a team from three sales representatives to five in the Atlanta Metro, meanwhile, increasing their closing rate by 20%. So we want to be exact. We want to basically share, like, think about talking to, you know, your prospective next boss, you know, what are they going to find interesting? What are they going to find as a statistic that shows that you're the real deal that if this is true then they're the real deal basically and i always uh, think about what do they really care about yeah yeah what's, what what's going to get them interested in uh about you that's going to make you stand out from the pack yeah exactly because they're interviewing other salespeople. all of them have those responsibilities of uh, you know i, I cold called people i managed accounts i blah 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 everyone's resume is saying that so sure. yeah, yeah show how it's different show how it's different and so the third thing is because i like to keep it to um, you know a resume just a one page i would say if you have to have extra info there's a concept i have called just an achievements page and so what we do here is it's really more of a kind of a case study of achievements you've had. So you'll point out one thing that, you know, one statistic, one thing that you did, one outcome that you made, and then basically just write a paragraph about it or, you know, last couple sentences and list just four of them. It's kind of like an index. It's just a longer form version of the, the resume. If they want to learn more, they can. They don't have to always check it, you know, because you want them to call you after just reviewing the resume. Uh, but, you know, if they want more information, it's right there. Uh, and then very last, you should always have a pre-written managerial reference, something that your previous manager did. If you don't have the ability to get a reference from a previous manager, uh, salespeople can use customers. Um, I would say that, you know, using a peer reference isn't always the best, but it's better than nothing. Um, but you want to have some type of reference. Best situation is managerial reference. So you've got those four, uh, you know, sheets, those four pieces of material, that's your candidate packet. And that's really going to help with how you present yourself because then you're coming with, you're kind of like showing up to the interview like a lawyer. I mean, you, you've got, boom, you've got all the supporting evidence. You've got other people that have said good things about you. You have the, the proof behind certain metrics that you were hitting. On the cover letter, you're talking directly to this company and this opportunity, you know, convincing them why you're the real deal and that you can make a big impact at this company. I mean, people don't see this very often. And whenever you take those actions, uh, you know, you stand out in an incredible way. It's, 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 kind of, it's kind of a lame quote, but I remember the movie Waiting. And on, their, on the training video, one of the quotes was, uh, the only difference between ordinary and extraordinary is that little bit of extra. Well, that's so true in so many different ways. And, and it's just like, if you just take these tiny little, these, it's not going to take you any time, any extra time, really. But if you just take these little steps, you can stand out in such a big way. So we got cover letter, one page resume, achievements, Mm -hmm. So that's the third page. It's like a one one page summary where you talk about able to leap tall buildings in a single bound and did so for the entire city of whatever. Exactly. Leaped over every building in the entire downtown. And number four is the, the reference list. Yeah, yeah. So, or not, not a reference list, a pre-written reference, a re like a direct reference from somebody. Not just your reference list. Could, could someone use the references on their LinkedIn profile? 
Do what now? Could someone, in effect, copy some of the recommendations from their LinkedIn profile, notifying the people in advance that I, would like to do that? Yeah, I think if you, you could do that, and I think that that would be good if, if the design looked good. I mean, if it was aesthetically pleasing, then I would definitely do it, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't just slap them on there. And, and folks, notice it's also about appearance. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, you know, a lot of folks just think in terms of this is the data. These are the facts. Right. This is what I've done. And you got to be pretty. You got to yeah. make it look yeah. nice. You got, it has to be handsome. And if you don't do that, you'll look like a bum. Yeah. It's, it's about number one is consumability. Number two is design. And number three is the message. I mean, that, that's really kind of how you have to think. That's why I say you should have, you know, a resume as one page and have it very short and how you explain things because you want them to easily be able to consume that information. You don't want them to, you know, look at it and be like, whew, you got, you know, paragraphs, you got all this, this is a giant wall of text. You know, it, you don't want to make uh, things intimidating for your reader. You know, it's kind of like when people reach out directly to, uh, you know, hiring managers and they say like this huge, you know, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And they write this huge paragraph. I'm like, you can't expect your reader to read that. You know, this is a busy person. You're just breaking into their, you know, their conscience and their whole life. And you expect them to read this giant long letter that, that's going to you. No, like send them one sentence, maybe two sentences. Don't, don't, you know, don't, don't put such an onus on the reader or the viewer, you know? It's funny. When I coach people, I do it a little bit differently. And folks, everything works. I just want to be clear about it. Everything works in job search. It never works yeah. as often as we'd like, but everything really works. I'm a believer in cover letters as well as a sales tool. It confirms yeah. a lot of the things that they're going to see next. Uh, if it's being, if all this is being emailed in advance to get the interview, then it becomes the body of the email. If you're uploading it to an applicant tracking system, and by the way, folks, never, ever apply for a job through an applicant tracking system. <laughs> It's called the black hole for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Network your way to a decision maker or to someone who can get to a decision maker. But if you are going to do it because you're lazy and you don't want to take the time, make the cover letter page one of your resume, but have a keyword stuffed because yeah. the applicant tracking system is going to be looking for the keywords of the job on page one. So you might as well use page one to stuff all those keywords in at least, you know, for everything that you've done that's relevant, flush left is the skill of the experience. Flush right is how long, how recently. So this way the system goes, oh, he's done a lot of the things we're looking for. That's on page one. I like this. Yeah. Like, if you're going to play the game, then play the game right. If you're going to do job boards, if you're going to, you know, go through all that stuff, then do what's advantageous there. Don't, you know, don't do the just standard thing. Right. So we've got two of them down at this point um yeah what, what's what's number three so number three is what i was talking about earlier where it could be interchangeable but you know that's identifying your audience exactly so that that's the point where you know you are getting company names you are getting names of specific people um you know if you're a, i hate to use the sales example over and over but if you're a sales guy naturally you want to talk with a sales manager maybe you want to talk with the functional head of sales or you want to talk with an organizational leader like the president or somebody in the C-suite. Um, or, you know, you can also talk with HR. That's, a, that's another option to go through. Uh, 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the lazy way, folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Find, find out who runs the function. Yeah, that's that's the best way to do it. But you know, there's always something to be said for mushrooming the account. Everybody agree. Everybody, you know, you want to have multiple points of contact. And you, and you never want to. And I say this, you know, in a, a little bit in defense, you know, you don't want people to not be on your team. If you if they find out that you've contacted the head of sales, the president, and you know, and the sales manager, and HR hasn't heard about you at all, they're probably not going to be on your side throughout the process. And there's, they do have influence, you know, so it's, you, you want to make sure that, uh, you know, you don't look, if you're mushrooming like that, then you need to, you know, think about who, who all you're, think about the ripple effect of what you're doing. <laughs> James, when you were a rookie recruiter back when dinosaurs roamed the earth, or at yeah. least when people started using metal, the person <laughs> who trained you told you never to contact HR if you could avoid it. They told you to go to the hiring manager. These people should be no different than you. Come it's on. True. Well, that is that is the – hey, look, I have I a knot on my head for beating it against the wall in certain situations. But, you know, it, it you still don't want to turn away from opportunity. Yes, you know, there's situations where they don't necessarily want to work with you. Maybe they're harder-nosed and, you know, there's – but it's – you don't, you can't, I hate to say it, this might be the best thing I'll say all day, but the, you can't stereotype. You got to work through it. You got to make sure that you work through everybody. You got to make sure that you're, you're, you're checking all the doors that are possible because ultimately it's your outcome. I mean, it's, it's your life and it's your career that you're worried about. So there, there's, there's no advantage to not contacting them, I would say. And, and I'll also say, a lot of hiring managers will tell HR who they want to talk to. Yeah. And HR may go, hmm, and they'll still talk to you. They'll still talk to them. They'll still talk to them. Because the manager has told them to talk to you. And if you can't get to the hiring manager, contact HR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's always a way. There's always a way to get to get straight to the hiring manager. Depends. Depends how bad you want to get to them. I think. <laughs> Ooh, maybe we do another interview around that one. <laughs> hundred and one ways to get to the hiring manager. That's a fun topic. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to be careful with that one. <laughs> <laughs> I know you train all your competition all over the country. I understand. <laughs> right. <laughs> Number four. Uh, yeah. Number four. Number four. So that's you know, and, and you have touched on it a little bit before, and you know, this is kind of the standard thing. Um, going direct okay you know the job boards are great but you know going direct is really what you need to be doing you need to whether you're looking for a job now and you need an urgent change or you just want to be prepared in the future or or you're just you want to be well networked in order to have opportunities to improve your career in the future because you know just because you're happy today doesn't mean you're going to be in the right spot in a year two years or five years and you're better off whenever you have a strong professional network that's industry specific, that's function specific, and you can always end up, you know, uh, basically uncovering these opportunities that recruiters talk about all the time, that the invisible job uh, openings. And so it's like, you know, those are there. And not only are there invisible job openings, there's job openings that if they, if you're so valuable in your career, you're so successful at what you're doing, people will make a spot. Like especially in sales, 
You know, it's people will make a spot for you. It's just you have to be in front of the right people and you have to have the right presentation and you have to you know, have the proof that you are the real deal. And so if you actually are well networked and you have multiple people in that industry that are, you know, bouncing well for you, I mean, that just it basically solidifies it in a, in a manager's mind. So it, it's kind of like uh, just focus more on the, on the networking, going direct. Um, what I always say on the job boards is apply far and wide, do it, just get, aim for volume. I, I, I probably don't get a lot of uh, cheers for saying it, but you know, I say just basically look at the company and look at the job title and that should be good enough. That, that should be good enough for you to figure out whether or not you want to apply for it. I mean, I, I, I don't see any advantage in sitting there and filtering all the, you know, reading all the stuff and filtering and thinking, hmm, do I meet the two-year requirement or the five-year requirement? I think you're wasting so much time. And really, it, it's if, like I was saying before on the job boards, if you want to play, if you want to play on the job boards, then play the game right. You know, they're going for volume. They have, like you said, the black hole, right? They have hundreds of people applying Okay, so don't be you know surprised whenever that's the environment that you're set up in. That's why you want to go for high volume, and then you can screen out the people that want to interview you. If you if you're not interested in interviewing with somebody, then decline the interview. Don't rule yourself out of the job before you know you've even gotten uh, you know. If someone's going to show interest in you, then you should consider. It. Like basically, just. Don't worry about the, you know, filtering the jobs on the job boards. Filter them once they get back to you and want to interview It's so funny, yeah, because when I worked in search and I did it for, uh, certainly dinosaurs were roaming the earth back <laughs> when I started. Uh, I used to get, hate getting spammed resumes uh, because it was a time waster. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of from the job hunter perspective, the only thing I would encourage people to do is take a quick skim of the job description, make sure you hit the basic talking points both in the resume and your LinkedIn profile, because all firms are going to LinkedIn to confirm that what's in the resume and the LinkedIn profile are somewhat congruent. Yeah. Because if so often they aren't, it, it's hideous when that happens. Like, yeah. Like there's, there's an extra job somewhere, on yeah. one of the two, or yeah. something, because someone took it off in one place and forgot to take it off in another. And by the way, folks, you don't remember all the places you've applied to in your career, do you? Uh -huh. And if you're going to play the game of taking a job off, just remember there's an applicant tracking system where you didn't take the data out of it about what your background was in that particular job. Because yeah. I know when I was in search and I would get that resume, it was missing two jobs. And I go, ah, it's interesting. My system has you working at two other places. Right. <laughs> and I'd shut up. And? And watch them squirm. Right. And understand, not everyone is as courteous as mine to at least ask why that happened. Mm -hmm. Most people will just hit the delete key. So yeah. recognize it's harder to scam these days than it was back in the day. So you got to be a little bit more forthright. You need to use your network. Yeah. Well, and, and to touch on that a little bit, I'm not saying that I, I saw this post on Twitter the other day that it was a guy and he said, uh, he said, I need to chill out on all the job applications. I, I just got an interview to be a pastor. And he was just, yeah. And so he was like, 
it, it was, uh, so yeah, at a certain degree, you, you do want to reel it back. You, know, you want to make sure that uh, it's industry and function specific, that you actually somewhat are going to meet, you know, the qualifications of this. I mean, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, you know, you should just go crazy with it and like automate it and apply to every, every job that comes up on, on Indeed. You could, theoretically, you could if you wanted to, <laughs> if you wanted to, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, in, in a, in a normal way, you should just, you know, filter it down fair enough by the, uh, by the words that you're using in your search. And I'll just simply say, folks, when you heard James laugh, if you listen to this in podcast form, I made a face that <laughs> was reflecting nausea, and uh, he was responding to that. So I'll just simply say, folks, he's absolutely right. Dial it back, you know, especially if you're a rookie. I know you want to get a job, and getting a job is important. Yeah. Uh, your parent, parents, guardian, whomever it is, is pressuring you. Why don't you go to interviews? Because there was a pandemic. That's no excuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're getting a lot of pressure, and you can't be stupid about this. Yeah, if you're gonna do it, do it right. Do it clean. So we're up to number five. So yeah, this is the beautiful wrap up. The absolute easiest step in the process is just to crush the interview and then follow up. So if, if you are actually performing all the stuff at the beginning of this and you're uh, getting a lot of interviews and you're you know, having a lot of conversations, the, the more activity that you have, the better off you're going to be, but mainly in your psyche. So uh, what I see a lot of the time is people will apply for jobs on job boards. You know, they'll hear back on maybe like 5% of the things that they applied for. And then the negative talk starts happening and they're like, well, why didn't they give that to me? You know, why? And they get mad because they, you know, I haven't heard from them. I <laughs> yeah, something's wrong with me. I'm, I'm this, I'm that. And it's like, I looked, I looked it up the other day. I can't, I can't quote you the source, but I read that only 5% of people that apply for jobs actually get an interview or like get a screen, get like a screen interview, like on live on the phone. So one in 20 is... You know, if you're if you're hearing back on more than uh, one out of twenty applications, you're actually batting better than average. You know, you're doing pretty well. So solve that or like bust that myth real quick. But mainly, like on the other side, you know, if you're getting interviews, if you're getting traction, and especially if you're networking well and you're having you know valuable conversations with people that recognize your talents, that understand how uh, valuable you are, you know, that's going to do a lot better on you know your self-esteem and how you approach everything versus uh you know this mindset of being defeated along the way this you're you're kind of like slaying the dragon you're kind of like you're you know you're running up the mountain you know taking out all this stuff along the way you're in a situation where you're getting to you know turn down interviews you're getting to turn down job offers that you're not liking because your volumes at such a level that you have that luxury and so when you're sitting in the driver's seat like that, like, how could you interview? It's pretty hard to interview poorly if you don't, you know, maybe if you don't do some of the major things, you don't dress correctly and do some of the major things. But, you know, it's, it's you, you're in a much better position there because you have high activity than, you know, like I said, the kind of defeatist, like, oh, I'm lucky that I got this interview. Oh, I hope that they give me an offer, you know, and that's the only interview I've had for the last month. Yeah. You know, you're just you're you're 
not doing well for your mindset and, it, and it's and that's going to have a lot of effect on your outcome absolutely true and part of the mistakes that job hunters make and part of the reason you get turned down consistently is you act like an amateur and by an amateur you learn through trial and error professionals practice they know what to practice. They have coaches who help them by watching what they do to ensure they don't make mistakes, right? Every, every great athlete in the world has a coach. Every entertainer in the world, they will rehearse, right? And most of them, especially if they sing, have coaches as well. But job hunters go on interviews, and the first yep. time the words come out of their mouth yep. at the interview, and they wonder why they didn't perform well. Because you're an amateur! <laughs> exactly. The skills needed to find a job are different than those needed to do a job. Yeah. And we've been talking about some of the things that you need to be doing, including networking, not just simply during your search, but between searches to stay in touch with people so that when you need them, when they need you, you don't feel like one of those people who's trying to uh, take advantage of someone else. You want to have a relationship with people because they'll want to help you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to put you on the spot for something that we didn't talk about in advance, but it's something you can do in your sleep. And okay. it's the idea of what makes you interview someone? What causes you to want to choose to have a phone screen with someone? I mean, it really just, it completely depends on their, well, I guess two things. So their background, you know, obviously you read the resume, you see what they've done, you know, you see the 10 years they've had, the companies they've worked for, the, the functions they've performed, and you kind of get an initial, I mean, I hate to say it's a feeling, but I mean, you look at, you've seen so many resumes and you've reviewed so many of these that you just kind of know. And then on the other side, um, what I do value a lot is the persistence on their end. And that's why I say it is so important to, you know, do, you know, basically do this five point plan because on my end, when somebody submits their stuff and they follow up with me, I always talk to them. I always talk to them. If, they, if somebody is talk, if somebody is calling me up directly about a role, I always talk to them. It's, it's, but it's, you know, we do go through, we have a lot of, you know, uh, job postings where things are coming through like that and you know we have a lot of people that will reach out for certain things or just send something but if uh, we're super busy but if somebody follows up and i know that you really want it so i'm like okay well and it's kind of the same with with me on the business development end it's more of just saying you know i'm i'm gonna be here either way like i want this this is what i want done this is what i'm going for this is what i want to achieve I'm going to be here either way. So why don't we go ahead and knock this out? Basically, you know, I'm here. I need you. You probably need me. Like, let's go ahead and move this forward because I'm not going away. Basically, that's kind of the attitude you should have. And notice, folks, he talked about being super busy. He doesn't yeah. have a lot of spare time. Make the fit obvious. Yeah, that, that's the main thing because people don't realize, and I mean, you get it, but you, for every person asked to get on a 30 minute call, I mean, I get almost a dozen, like a day, a day where people are just, because our network's so big, it's a point where it's just like, and everybody want, and everybody expects that they're going to get that time, like no matter what, like they're going to, they're obligated, like they, like they own my time. And, and it's just like, whoa, you know, 
I always wonder if people realize how many people are contacting us in any no given time. And not, and not just random people. Not just, these are just the people that will randomly hit you up on LinkedIn. And then I've got to worry about all my searches. And so I've got to worry about all the people that I need to talk to on my searches. And you have all these other people that are hitting you up and wanting to talk. And so there's, we don't really have, we have just as much time as you guys do, except we have to divide it a lot. That, that's the whole thing. Like we all have, you know, eight to 10 hours in a work day, but then, then it becomes, you know, four hours in a day. And then it's very easy to fill up three or four hours in interviews. You know, I mean, it, it does not take long to get that, you know, that amount of time blocked off. And so it's, it's, you, you got to understand what we're dealing with on our end, on the amount of people that reach out and want a certain amount of time. Thank you. That was perfect. Because part, <laughs> because part of what James has been telling you is he's super busy. His clients are paying him to find people. Yeah. He's not there to allow you to bask in your own magnificence about how, what, what a wonderful person you are. He wants to know how you can help one of his clients yeah. so he can fill a job, earn a fee, um, pay yeah. for, for, for the house payment and all the other stuff that people right. do as human beings. And I also want to point this one out because people have this terrible attitude about recruiters. Mm. They're human beings. Treat right. them like a human being instead of like an animal. Yeah. Well, I've, I've had, I've had the emotion completely beaten out of me, but you know, I, other than that, <laughs> other than that, no, you, I mean, being on the phone, being, I always tell people this, it, 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 and it kind of blew my mind because I was working with uh, somebody that they, they were new and they had never done recruiting before. And we're not used to some of the negative feedback sometimes you get. Some of the negative stuff that you get whenever you're, you know, developing business or, or, or recruiting. And, uh, and it was funny because I was like, man, I don't, I was like, I forgot what that was like. Like, because you never, I mean, you eventually get it out. Like, you're like, any negativity, you're just like, all right. You know, that if you get a negative reaction, it's just like, well, it doesn't matter if this individual person's negative because I have all these other people to worry about. So this is just one person in, the, in this crowd, in this conglomeration, if that's a word, of, of people. So it's like, you don't really have time to feel bad or, or to like, you know, it's like, man, you got to get on to the next thing. You know, this isn't, you don't have time to have emotions because we're trying to find this person. Find this person, get them hired, put points on the board and earn a fee. Yeah. James, this has been fabulous. How can people find out more about you and the work that you do? Yeah, well, I mean, if you'd like to get a, a free copy of our candidate guide that'll kind of walk through what we talked about today, just go to candidatemarketingtips.com. Um, outside of that, I run Legacy Search, recruiting firm for the building materials industry. But uh, those are the best ways to get a, get a hold of me. And what's the web address for um, Legacy Search? Uh, Legacy Search is just legacysearch.net. And so, yeah, we represent the, uh, the building materials industry there. Super. That's today's show. I hope you found it helpful. And if you did, here are a few more ways to get information and advice from me. First of all, visit my website, which is thebiggamehunter.us. Go to the blog. There's a lot there to help you with your job search, hiring more effectively, managing and leading, and workplace-related issues. In addition, if you're interested in my coaching you, there's a button there that says Schedule. Schedule time for a free discovery call or schedule yourself in for coaching. 
Obviously, I'm going to charge for that, but I can help you with interview preparation, leadership coaching, salary negotiation advice, making a good decision between different offers, anything related to improving yourself in the workplace, I can coach you about. If you have questions for me, you can schedule 15 minutes with me at thebiggamehunter.us forward slash live or you know, a less expensive way is at thebiggamehunter.us forward slash video answers, where you leave a message for me and I'll respond with a three to five minute video. Connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash thebiggamehunter. I can assure you, your network will expand a lot by connecting with me. And finally, watch me on TV. Download the Job Search TV app for Fire TV, Fire Stick, Apple TV, Roku, like 90 different manufacturers. I'll be back tomorrow with more. And in the meantime, I hope you have a terrific day. Be great!